<laughs> this is good, good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends out there? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and across from me is always, is always, what's up, always? How's it going, man? (laughs) Having a good day so far? I'm having a case of the Mondays, man. It's been a terrible case of the Mondays for everyone around the world. There is a, uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot. This weekend. Yeah. Ton, ton of shit. That happened. Mm-hmm. See, I, mm-hmm. you, didn't, you didn't have to put a beep in there because I can censor you, you myself. You it out yourself. I appreciate that. They're literally not just this weekend, but today. I mean, we had a debate on Sunday. We have uh, the stock market crashing today, uh, down the most percentage since Black Monday when Wolf of Wall Street was born in 1987. <laughs> yeah. We've got some. Uh, did you hear about this cold going around? What's that? Yeah. Some kind of. Some kind of virus cold that's going around. That's rhinovirus. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I got that a few times. That's been happening. There's uh, so much going on yeah. on a Monday, and I don't even know what to do with myself. It has been a lot. You know, we keep talking about whether or not we're going to talk about the coronavirus. That's there it what is. it is. I, I just said that. And the market dropped ten points right then. I thought. I thought I heard something about that. Maybe COVID-19 or something. That's what they're calling it these days. And um, it's, you know, we keep trying to not talk about it, but it is presenting so many good opportunities for some economic conversations. And today we wanted to talk about, well, we'll we'll give a brief update on the virus. Um, Just by what I can tell in the news, killing millions of people so far. Uh, So many, so many people have died. A lot of people. Uh, they're they're very very upset about it, and you know while we're while we're kind of joking around about that, um, the thing is, <clears throat> this thing has killed what is it 40, 40 something people in the U.S. Is it still around that number? It's up to seventy one. Seventy one. Good mm. lord! I need to sell my stocks. So oh, holy crap! Seventy three. Sorry, just refresh the numbers. Seventy three. Uh, I'm sorry. I need to put in a sell order for everything. Now the problem <laughs> is that's terrible, and I don't. I'm against death. I don't want anyone to die. And this also, it's a virus, and you can do containment protocol for it. I mean, what do you want to do? Wait for it to be so bad that you can't do anything about it whatsoever? I wouldn't. I don't want to do that. But I they do. They keep talking about this curve. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I get that, but it's like. Uh, doesn't it all feel kind of irrational so far? So I'm, much. The fear and everything about it. Like, I'm not sure if this is a word, but it's so much irration. It's so much irration happening all over the place. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, they have not been irrationing the toilet paper at the dollar stores around me no. because it's all gone. But so much irrationality happening. And while we, you've got to be smart, make sure that you're going to wash your hands, do things like that, as you always should. You also have to recognize whether or not is there a chance is there is there a single chance that this has been slightly blown out of proportion just whatsoever just a little bit a little because here I am listening to the White House give a press briefing and I hear all these people just here's one example they're freaking out about healthcare workers and what they're going to do to protect healthcare workers our great healthcare workers and we love them I know a lot of them and they're 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 working around this virus allegedly and they're working around it. And what we want to know is how do we stop them 
from getting sick? And my response was the same way that they keep from getting sick from dealing with sick people every single day. Yes. That's what they do. They deal with sick people all the time. They deal with people who have the flu. They deal with people who have worse, worse diseases than that even. And they, they get cleaned up. You know, they, they wash their scrubs and then they go back to work the next day. You might be surprised to know this, Nate. Yes. Well, you're not going to be surprised. Our listeners may be surprised. But uh, before we took off on our music career, I was in nursing school for a year. You were. I learned all of this, these contact precautions, and you have negative pressure rooms, and they already know all of this. Yeah. Because there's regular diseases out there like tuberculosis. It's not a new thing that healthcare professionals are coming in contact with things that are bad for them. Right. Like That's not new. It's not even a new virus. It's just a new form of of the coronavirus. This is the... What are they calling it? The new novel? It's a new novel. I don't know. The new novelle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. It's going to get the novelle peace prize. You know the thing. <laughs> and it's th- these precautions that healthcare workers take, it's not any different. They have what's called N95 masks, which is basically doesn't let any impurities in when you breathe the air. And so they're probably wearing those things. And, and not, all, not everybody gets them, but it's a... Uh, Healthcare workers know what they're doing. Yeah. They, they've been around these types of things for a long time. It's kind of part of the job. Right. Like the, it's one of the main things that you do is hang out around sick people who have viruses and diseases and stuff like that. It's just, it's just kind of a thing that you do. Now, the it, problem that I think most healthcare people are having right now is the mass hysteria surrounding. Like people are coming in <clears throat> and they're just to think about you know, as a server, you know, this think about like some of your worst tables. Now, yeah. Imagine them coming in for healthcare with the, <laughs> with the hysteric, yeah. with the, you know, all the hysteria surrounding everything. And it's like people who actually need help can't get care because the same people that are stealing all the toilet paper are the same people going to the hospital acting crazy. I've seen news stories where they're, they're pushing off surgeries and things like that so they can make room for coronavirus patients. Now, elective surgeries. Yeah. So now the problem is the headline because it says hospitals are canceling surgeries to make room for coronavirus patients. Right. When you see that headline, you're like, oh my God, so many people are sick and they're in the hospital and, and this is terrible. And we're having to cancel all of our surgeries because the, the sick people from the coronavirus are taking up all the room. And then you read the article and it's like, well, you know, they're just clearing out space just in case there happen to be any people that come in. The problem I have are, are with the, the headlines like that, because you see the headline, you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. This now, is so this, bad. This is actually happening though in Italy. Yes. I mean, they are deciding who lives and who dies in Italy because they have reached capacity there. Oh, it's because However, of their capitalist healthcare system. Is, Joe That's Biden why. brought up a good point. We're yeah. going to talk about the debate here, probably. Brought up a good point last night to Bernie Sanders. He's like, oh, well, look, Italy's got a single-payer system. Yeah. You know, I was looking at the stats today. Denmark has a few cases. A few people have died there. And, you know, Switzerland is just below the United States, by the way. They've got 2,353 cases. And they have, uh, so far, they've got 19 deaths. Good Lord, Switzerland has only got, like, what, between 5 and 10 million people in the whole country? Yeah. And they've got, I mean... Their their, uh, total cases per 1 million population is 279. Good Lord. Yeah. But but we are screwing this up. Like, if you think about coronavirus... Total cases per million population is 13. So over the weekend, it doubled because it was at, like, 6.5, 6.7. So it has gone up some, um, 634 new cases today, but 
But still, out of 327 million people, we have 4,314 cases. Now, of course, I know everybody's going to say, well, we just don't know. We are not able to test everybody. I had a good conspiracy in the pre-show, which, by the <laughs> way, you could see the pre-show if you go to patreon.com slash Liberty. This was the pre-pre-show, I think. Yeah, there's never been a better time to spend your money than now. And so go to patreon.com slash Liberty For as little as $5 a month, you can stay up to date on all the real stuff going on. And uh, to get more real stuff, you need to be part of the pre and post show. Yeah. So to watch that live, that's <laughs> patreon.com slash Liberty. But I was talking about in the pre-show how... One conspiracy I have, and then take it as you will, I'll just it's always good to ask questions. Yeah. Like, what if they just wanted everyone's DNA? And this <laughs> is a way to make sure everyone gets tested because they create this mass hysteria. And then everybody's coming out and saying, well, the United States is not posting real numbers and Trump administration's trying to hide it. And we need to make sure everyone's tested so we know who exactly has it and who doesn't. Like, you realize if everyone gets tested, they literally have your DNA in a database. My response to that is basically everyone already has their DNA in the database. If that Probably. is if that is the case, because everyone's done some type of blood test before for something. So, but it I could mean, be in a private like database everyone. where the government doesn't have access to it. Yeah. This could be a lot easier. I'm just wondering if somebody was thinking, "Hey, how do we get the DNA of seven billion people?" I know we'll introduce a cold. <laughs> we'll make sure that it. We highlight the the few <laughs> old people that have died from it. Yeah. And then we're not going to make it so bad, you know, but we're going to make sure there's a lot of hysteria around it. We'll cancel everything out. People are going to freak out, buy out all the toilet paper, and they'll willingly submit themselves to giving a blood sample. Now, this is like super conspiracy theorist yeah, right here, like yeah. hardcore. I'm, and I'm not like, a conspiracy theorist. I'm just asking all the questions. Yeah. I, I I'm got not saying you. I believe that. I would say I'm just if, saying, is there a chance that that's a probability? If this were man-made, I would say it would have more to do with what's happening. <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> I haven't been tested, but I think I'm fine. Yeah, I think it has <laughs> more to do with if it were a cons- if this were a conspiracy, <laughs> then it would have to do with the stock market. I I would believe because it would be well that too. Yeah, I mean, it all but, coincides. But then again, I doubt Italy is trying to crash the United States stock market and get get you know, Bernie Sanders elected or anything like that. Like, I don't think that's their goal here. So, you know, I what have about to, China? I have to, now I could see that from China because they don't like the trade war. They don't like the tariffs. They don't like all that stuff. Maybe they want to get someone else, you know? So we, so we, we screw up the American economy because that's the only way that Trump's going to win reelection. I, I get that, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I don't have any proof otherwise. It's it's a good question to ask, and you should be allowed to ask the question. What if we were? What if you and I were coughing like every other word? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. <clears throat> yeah, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I can't breathe. I'm I'm having an issue because I was doing so much work in my kitchen this weekend, and I don't I couldn't find any masks anywhere t- to wear. So I was doing all kinds of sanding and stuff on on drywall and and wood and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just my lungs are filled with sawdust and drywall dust right now. So nice. it's it's not the probably that, virus is covered in that all that sawdust and stuff more than I mean, the wood probably came from China. So I'm screwed as far as the, the drywall probably came from there. So that's I'm, exactly what's I'm, happening. I'm totally screwed as far as that goes. But hey, Charlie said to subscribe to the podcast. I believe, or you said to go to Patreon. So we got to make sure you guys subscribe to this podcast. Well, I was actually getting ready to tell people that. I was going to say there's so much going on. We're already diving into it. But yeah. I was going to say before we get deep, deeper, Yeah. before we get any deeper into all the coughs and stuff that's going on around the world, is that 
welcome to all of our new listeners. And uh, <laughs> we're not normally conspiracy theorists. This subscribe. is probably a poor representation of what we normally talk about overall. But hey, these are real questions, so that's fine. We got to talk some economics today. Because, man, have you noticed the store shelves? Have you gone around shopping at all anywhere? Have you seen what it looks like? Yeah. I, I, went, to, I went to the old Dollar Gentral. Mm, how was because that? Because I didn't want to go to Kroger or anything else like that. Yeah. Publix. Well, everything was out anyway. So Honestly, Dollar Gentral wasn't that bad. Um, the Dollar General. Mine was bad. And, and th- they did have a sign on the door that said, hey, we're out of toilet paper. We're out of hand sanitizer. We're out of soap. <clears throat> Right of all this stuff. And I'm like, that's fine because I'm going for Pop Tarts yeah. <laughs> and uh, chips and Coke Zero. Yeah. So, so you were good. Did they have what you no needed? No problem. We've got plenty of soap and hand sanitizer and toilet paper and paper towels in my house already. Yes. So <clears throat> I was prepared. I saw this coming. <laughs> <laughs> you were already good to go. Back in January, I saw it. No, it's typically we do, we make it like a Sam's Club run and we get all the things in bulk and put it out on the shelf in the in the garage and we're set for a while you know? okay it's just kind of how we do things around here unfortunately you were too late to buy up everything they had and then flip it for a profit that's, on amazon that's right that's too bad like what? some other people in tennessee well i tried to sell you toilet paper because you needed some i, I, I did, did try to sell you for like five bucks a roll. i had to get in the shower instead that's really all i could do so <laughs> listen we'll talk about this uh this whole price gouging thing we got to talk about whether or not mm, you know people don't like price gouging and they just naturally don't like it I don't like price gouging. It sounds terrible. It price gouging. There's nothing sounds good about that no. whatsoever. But no, well, usually gouging's like associated with gouging yeah, someone's like, eyes like out. Gouging's bad. Anytime yeah. something is gouging, yeah. it's bad. That's that's the way that you look at it. So we got to talk about whether or not we are in favor of price gouging, what that is, uh, what you can do to stop it from happening. There's all kinds of things. And what I would first start off with saying that, let's say you're a free market person listening to the podcast. Do you believe that the markets are determined by supply and demand? Or do you think they should be? Do you, what do you think about that, Charlie? Like supply and demand, right? That's what we've been hearing since we were in high school. I think that's how the world runs, regardless of what system you're in. Yeah. It's just supply kind of, and demand is like baseline human behavior. Yeah. What if now the problem is when the demand is really high, well, you just got to throw supply and demand out the window, right? Well, of course. Yeah, probably you just get rid of it. Yeah, that's that's what you should do. It sounds like it. So so this is how you run into a situation where our store shelves start looking like we're in the middle of Venezuela all of a sudden. And it's really weird that when it, when we're in a time where people are talking about price controls, and controlling what people can charge or can't charge for things also corresponds with the time that our store shelves look like Venezuela store shelves. And that's that people should take note of that because we look at places like Venezuela, like Cuba, like all kinds of other places and say, well, they don't have anything because they don't have market pricing and they don't get the, they don't get people uh, to supply what they need because they can't charge the prices they need. And then they run out of stuff. They have shortages. That's what they have. And we recognize this. We look at these other countries and we say, well, if they had a free market pricing, if they had free market and they were able to, the store owners were able to adjust their prices, then people would fill up the shelves and it would look just like America all the time. America, supply and demand. That's what it would look like. And then we get in the situation where the demand goes up really high for something. And all of a sudden, all of our great free market, rational, logical principles about supply and demand completely go out the window. And that's exactly the time that you need them. 
This is how you can stop things, stop the store shelves from being empty, is by being able to freely raise your prices in accordance with supply and demand. That's that's exactly what you should do. So, <clears throat> and we, I had the argument the other day. I know we're going to get into this article here. My brother had posted an, an article similar to this. My Bernie bro brother, yeah. uh, who's a legit, he calls himself a libertarian socialist, which, you know, we're making progress here. Yeah. And he posted this and somebody underneath was like, well, that's capitalism. And I'm like, it's not capitalism. This isn't capitalism, by the way. Supply and demand predates capitalism. You can go back to when you were trading with the Indians or go back before then or whatever. It doesn't matter whether it was a oligarchy or feudalism or whatever it was. Supply and demand reign true. It, it's it's literally now you might have more different market controls like in a feudalist society. Obviously, the king's going to get most of the stuff. But even among the peasants, like supply and demand reign true, depending on what the demand was. How many swords would you make? how much war is going to happen what's you know whatever it doesn't matter what kind of society you have this isn't you can't blame capitalism well, that's my thing and i get so frustrated people see problems and i don't want to say simple minded but i want to say that they don't mm -hmm. take the problem seriously seriously enough and then what's your solution you don't think supply and demand holds true in venezuela in socialist countries you don't think you have, have you not read a history book on Russia and and what happened during communism and how they had all kinds of short shortages because it wasn't they you can't centrally plan the demand of human beings and their emotional behaviors. Like what is the actual solution? This is a really big problem. The you know, only problem the way is Jordan Peterson calls it is like inequality is a really big problem because that's in essence, that's what it is. It's inequality. So yeah. that that is based off supply and demand because it's like look sure as the price goes up only rich people are going to be able to afford it but at least there's still mm. some supply but well, but at the same time it's like you there's going to be enough to go around because all economics is and we've said this so many times and i asked these people on this thread i was in i was like can anybody even tell me what economics is all it is is the allocation of scarce resources that have multiple uses because or have alternative uses because look i'm going to tell you this right now there's not 7.7 .7 billion pump uh little bottles of hand sanitizer there's not there's just not no so n everybody in the world can't have one so what do you do about that you force the manufacturers to make 7.7 .7 billion of them and hand them out for free what, like, what's you, the trade-off there what exactly could, what else could they have been making during that time you that's the thing and that's the thing with the price pricing says what the suppliers should make it tells them without having to wait for a government order to come to your box and tell you what to produce pricing tells producers what to produce because they will gravitate towards things that they can make a profit off of and like it or not that's how our shelves look the way they do and Venezuela's shelves look the way they do all the time is because we allow pricing to happen. Okay. That's, that's just something that we all need to accept. And the problem is we love supply and demand when it means the prices are going down on stuff. We like all oil, gas prices yeah. right now are going down. People oh, are man. loving it. We're all price gouging the oil companies right now, aren't we? We're just <laughs> sticking it to them. That's what we're doing. This is greedy what we're doing to the oil companies right now. No, the demand has gone down. So the freaking price has gone down. This is supply and demand. And when you like or it, the demand has remained the same and the supply has increased. Yes. That could be happening too, coming yes. out of coming out of the cartels. So that, that might be happening. But the, if you like it going down, 
then you gotta also like it going up because that is just simply the pricing system. This is supply and demand, okay? The pricing goes up, more people want hand sanitizer and toilet paper, so the prices go up a little bit. And Charlie said what I will say, you said, well, yeah, only rich people can, can get it. That's not the case. What happens there is people have to prioritize what they're going to spend their money on. True. And they're able to spend the money on the toilet paper or the hand sanitizer if that is what they need more than anything right now, then they can still get it because the prices were able to go up and maybe you got to make a choice between going out to eat somewhere nice or ordering on Uber Eats or getting a new cell phone plan or upgrading something and whether or not you're going to wipe your ass today. And you got to make a choice on which one of those you care about. So it's not just that only rich people can get it because the prices go up. It's that the prices going up allow the shelves to stay full. That way people can make decisions on what's important to them. That, that's what actually happens. And when you keep the prices artificially low, what you get is a first come first serve market. And then everyone gets there. They take all of it and then it's all gone. And then you're waiting on your supplies to come back in. Well, there wasn't a truck scheduled for two, three more weeks to bring in more toilet paper because I didn't realize that 7,000 people having coronavirus caused 350 million people to have diarrhea all of a sudden. So we got to get to- <laughs> toilet paper out there. Like, I'm it's sorry, a, I didn't realize that was the case. It's anxiety diarrhea, man. It's exactly. Everyone's <laughs> so nervous that everyone's they got the so runs all of a sudden. <laughs> and so it's... You, well, I was talking to my dad about this, too, because I was just I was so frustrated yesterday and I needed to vent to somebody about this because I get so tired of free markets and capitalism being blamed for problems that existed so long ago. But he was making a good case. The other problem we have here is personal responsibility. Something we talk a lot about on this show. Nobody's prepared for this kind of disaster. Now, why? We all know it's possible. We all know the end of the world could happen. We talk about it all the time. I mean, the greatest, you know, I heard even in the debate last night, the greatest existential threat is now (laughs) Trump somehow. It's the climate, Trump, coronavirus, all these things are existential threats to human life as we know it. No one's talking about climate change right now. That's weird. All kinds of stuff. (laughs) It's like everything is a threat to human life. Well, that's mother nature for you. Everything is a threat. But nobody prepares. My dad brought up a good point. He's like, you know, these people, they've got car notes and Netflix and they'll buy, they'll spend $2,000 on their tattoos over, you know, a couple of years. And they'll, you know, every time they sit down, they'll spend $400 on their tattoo session. And I got tattoos. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with tattoos, but they'll, they'll spend all this money, Netflix subscription, Disney plus Hulu, internet, cell phone. They got all these things. And instead of tucking their money away, like maybe putting away, Instead of spending, you know, a hundred dollars a month on a tattoo over a couple of years, because that's how much it'll cost to get a whole sleeve done, a couple thousand dollars. Instead, you could take that couple thousand dollars you were going to spend on that, put it away for a little while, and then when the t- price of toilet paper does go up to fifty dollars for a roll, you're like, oh, I can get a roll of toilet paper now because I saved up. Instead of getting that tattoo, that doesn't mean anything <laughs> to the actual quality of my life, <laughs> like or or. I could walk instead of having a car or I could get a home phone instead of having a cell phone. And I could read a book instead of getting on the internet. Like all of these things are choices that you make in every single day life. And no one wants to take any responsibility. And that's always got to be someone else's fault. That's one major issue. You know, we've been talking about for a while, another podcast too, too. Like 
it's always a problem that people do not keep enough money in their account to pay a large bill if it comes up or to pay bills if they lose their job for a month or something like that. And that's what you're seeing is no one ever prepares for the future, ever. No one ever prepares. They're always living right now. Spend all the money you got right now. Don't ever save up anything. And then when something bad happens, here they are crying to the government, trying to help them pay their bills for a few months because they didn't plan ahead. And they spent money on plenty of dumb crap over the last few years where they could have easily had the amount of money that they're going to be begging someone else for. They could have already easily had that in their bank account. And just like you said, no one takes the responsibility for doing it whatsoever. The answer here is that you got to start you got to start planning ahead and no, I'm not saying just save all your money and never spend anything because I don't, I don't believe in that, but save up some money to where if, if something bad happens, if a, if a virus goes around the world and kills way less people than all kinds of other stuff. We, we already talked about that. If a virus <laughs> goes around the world and for some reason you lose your job or something, are you going to have any, anything saved up? Are you going to be able to make money in any type of way possible? No one ever thinks about that. And then they get in the situation that they're in right now and they're all upset. Well, I can't afford to, how am I supposed to take care of my kid and go to work? Or how am I supposed to, it's your kid. Like I didn't have a kid, Charlie. I didn't have a kid. All right. Mm -hmm. You got a kid. I don't. Why are you going to take money out of my account? Because you had a kid. All right. Why is that on me? How is it not on you? How all, is that not on you? In all fairness, I'm not complaining. I know you're not. I'm looking <laughs> you're at just, you because you're in front of me. You're, making I'm just the, saying, you're just making the case. In what world did this become my responsibility? How did this ever become my responsibility? That I did not do the things that you did, and you're not responsible, and I am. This, it's completely ridiculous, man. Completely it, backwards. It's, it's insane. Yeah. How like You're sitting there saying you don't have the responsibility. How are you saying I have the responsibility? How can I not say the same thing yet you want to take money from me because you made choices and you can't back them up? And that we we keep living in the same world. We're making the same terrible decisions we've always made. We're doing crazy stimulus packages. You know, we're not going to reduce the taxes on the payroll and stuff like that. We're going to keep making the same crappy decisions over and over again. And five years from now, we're going to be in the same exact point. Once again, everyone complaining because they had no idea anything bad was ever going to happen in the world ever. And it's I, super annoying. I keep imagining you arguing with someone like... Let's say it was me. I was yeah. complaining and you were arguing with me. And I then I made the argument is like, I am not responsible for the decisions that I've made. <laughs> You're responsible. <laughs> it's you for your lack of decisions, your lack of choices. You owe me. You owe me. Yeah. How do you make that argument, Charlie? I have no idea. You're not making the argument. But how well, do you they, make that well, argument? They flip they not only do they flip it, but then they try to make the moral argument and then they'd be like, if you're like if you're actually on the right side of the argument, then then they'll say, Well, you just hate poor people. Yeah, you just hate poor people. Yeah. No, no. I I hate a society that sets this freaking problem up to happen all the time. That's what I hate. I don't hate poor people. I hate enabling terrible decisions and then having to pay the price for other people's terrible decisions. Yeah. That's what I hate. Now, look, I've been on the side of terrible decisions, by the way. I've been that person who couldn't afford a $400 expense right now. I saw this the other day when uh, some whoever was grilling the CDC, the doctor of this, the, the head of the CDC. I can't remember what her name is. A, a new congresswoman. 
um, she was, it was a, it was a video where she was grilling this guy and saying, you know, whatever, what are Americans supposed to do be? And she pulled up this board and said, you know, what's the average cost of the CBC, which is a, a, a blood panel test. What's the average cost of an NBC, which is a metabolic blood panel. And what's the average cost of an ER visit. And she pulled all this up. It was ended up being like $1,400. And she's like, you know, 80% of Americans can't afford a $400 expense right now. How do you expect them to pay for this? Are you going to guarantee that everybody, if they're feeling sick, can go to the hospital and it'll be paid for regardless of whether they have insurance or not? It's like, how is it anyone else's problem? The problem is that 80% That's, of America spent $400 on something that they deemed more important than their own freaking health. Exactly. Okay? That's the problem. And now they're living in it. What's more important? What is more important? Your phone's more important. Your car's more important. The flat screen TV is more important. Your nice, your clothes, your your shoes, the nicer dinner. All that was more important than your own freaking health. The five bedroom house instead of the three bedroom. All that was more important than your own health. And this is the consequence of it. I'm sorry. Healthcare is too expensive, by the way. Disclaimer. Yeah, it is actually. Disclaimer. The prices need to go down. But does not excuse the fact that if you got 400 bucks that you need to spend on something, you probably spent $400 on a bunch of crap you didn't need to spend when you're sitting there needing 400 bucks for something that might save your life. Then you spent money somewhere it didn't need to be spent. You know, you see this. Uh, I'm going to pick on girls here for a second because I see it all the time. You see a lot of people spend $500 here on that Gucci belt. Oh, yeah. You see that Gucci belt going around last summer? Every girl had one. You had to have one. I seen some videos where it looked like this girl was in a trailer, yet she had a Gucci belt. And I'm like, you're gonna spend five hundred dollars on a belt. On a belt. Yeah. On a belt. You probably are doing a firm payments or something. I don't like even that. I don't even wear a belt. You're, you're paying a hundred bucks a month for a five hundred dollar belt for five months. <laughs> like you're that's worth more than paying you know, half that cost to go to the ER to make sure that you're okay. Like what's more important? That's to you? for someone else to pay for, Charlie. Yeah. That's not for that's not your responsibility to pay someone to keep you alive. How could that be your responsibility? It's got to be your responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> you. It's not someone else's. It's my responsibility. It has to be a right to keep someone else alive. It has to be a right, Nate. Uh, okay, we have an article still. Actually, yes. we got like eight articles. We so, do. listen, you guys might have seen the story about this Tennessee. These guys, listen. And nobody like these guys. No one's buying them drinks for a while. I'll tell you that. That's that's just not going to happen. Now, coronavirus. Tennessee brothers hoard nearly 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. Say they have nowhere to sell it. Two brothers from Tennessee who said they tried to capitalize on the coronavirus outbreak by buying nearly 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer now claim they have nowhere to sell the products after a crackdown on online price gouging. After the COVID-19 related death in the U.S. was announced, 36-year-old Noah Colvin and his brother Matt cleared out hand sanitizer from the stores around Chattanooga, Tennessee and parts of Kentucky. The New York Times first reported their intention was to sell the goods on Amazon at marked up prices. They sold the sanitizer for between $8 and $70 each, multiple times higher than what they paid for the product at local stores, the paper reported. Now, stop there, because you're yep. going to start to say, oh my God, what a bunch of douchebags. These guys. Terrible guys. Your, your emotional response is, ah, these guys are capitalizing on people's sickness and 
they're profiteering and look at this evil capitalism. That's your first emotional response. You're just going to look at this and be like, I just can't even believe it. I saw the chair of the Libertarian Party who had an emotional response to these two guys. Now, we're going to dig into this. Now, granted, kind of a douchebag move. I will admit that. Yeah. However, as the as a chair of a Libertarian Party or anybody who understands economics in any sense of the word, like... There's a reason that these guys were allowed to do that. We're going to get into this. Keep going. Well, there's another reason. Well, we'll talk about it here in a minute. There's another reason that the shelves didn't immediately refill with 18,000 new bottles of hand sanitizer. Right. So that that's another thing you have to ask about. Why didn't the shelves just fill back up with really cheap hand sanitizer? Why didn't that happen? Well, why are they out? Because that's not the market price for the hand sanitizer right now. Okay, that's why they're out. Just right. like they're out of everything in Venezuela because they're being sold below the market prices for them. Okay. The brothers declined to disclose their exact profits, saying only that it was substantial. I don't know how substantial it would have been because they only sold 300 bottles of it before they got shut down. So, I mean, it, it couldn't have been... Couldn't have been that much. Despite backlash and accusations of profiteering, Noah Colvin defended his methods to the time, saying they were crushing overwhelming demand in areas not carrying the products. I, he said, I honestly feel like it's a public service. I'm being paid for my public service. But Amazon, along with other online platforms, including eBay and Walmart, shut down sellers such as the Colvin brothers who were found to be price gouging. Price gouging is a clear violation of our policies, unethical and in some areas illegal, Amazon announced. In addition to terminating these third-party accounts, we welcome the opportunity to work directly with state's attorneys general to attorneys general to prosecute bad actors. I don't, I don't know. I saw some bad actors in this movie I saw yesterday, and I don't really think they you know, should go to jail or anything. Doesn't <laughs> sound good. Dad jokes. Now, some 17,700 bottles of hand sanitizer have been sitting in Noah Calvin's garage with no place to sell them. The paper reported. So we sold 300 bottles. That's, that's what he sold. After the brothers made headlines, news outlets reported that investigators with the Tennessee Attorney General's office ordered the Colvins to end any profiteering strategies. <laughs> The state, which has had laws against price gouging, was inve was investigating the case. Okay. Listen, like Charlie said, I get it. Like, this, that's a douchebag move. It is, to buy up all the available hand sanitizer everywhere and then try to sell it for higher prices. The problem is, when you do that, you know, supply and demand works when the demand is higher than the supply the problem is with this is you can create yourself a monopoly by removing all of the available supply and then raising the prices of it on it so that's the problem where these people kind of created their own little monopoly where maybe they were the only people to get hand sanitizer from and then they can raise the prices my original question still stands why didn't the shelves at these stores just fill back up with hand sanitizer and the problem is that the, the prices are not being raised enough on this. The prices need to go up. Just like when the demand goes up for anything, the prices need to go up. The prices on toilet paper need to go up. Just like Charlie said, when the gas prices go up, when anything goes up, when a freaking stock goes up. Good Lord, if you bought an $8 stock today and tomorrow you sold it for 70, should we do a news story about you? <laughs> because you're profiteering on the share of stock that you just bought? No, that's what the demand stipulated for the share of stock that you owned. 
someone else was uh, willing to pay you 70 bucks a share for it okay that it's the now, same pe- thing <clears throat> people will say the difference is is that this is a crisis and i am here to tell you that it doesn't matter it doesn't because there's always a crisis going on around in the world somewhere there's a there's a <clears throat> terrorist attack there's new virus outbreaks there's ebola still going on we just mentioned the other day there's almost 5000 people a day dying from uh, tuberculosis still yeah there's always a crisis everyone's always in crisis at some point and if you're not you know someone who is family members dying um family member just got diagnosed with cancer now your uncle just got diagnosed with coronavirus whatever there's always a crisis happening and the market prices is just saying it's just all it's doing is laying out what the supply and demand is that's all it's doing and the problem is the, the the that the stores had all of this inventory the demand shot up and they didn't raise the price to match the demand which allowed these brothers to buy all of to buy up all of the hand sanitizer to begin with when they were coming through the store manager should have been like oh we need to raise the price on that hand sanitizer yeah you know these guys just bought all of our hand sanitizer we need to make sure we raise the price seems like the demand went up right exactly and then, then in in a true free market, these dudes would have never been able to get away with it. Maybe they would have got a couple thousand bottles, but they never would have had 18,000 bottles in a true free market. Well, the problem is if the suppliers are charging a, a dollar per bottle, and that's what the store is paying, then the suppliers, what would have happened is the store would have raised what their prices were going to be, what they would pay to the suppliers. The suppliers would say, okay, well, maybe we can get double. Maybe they're, maybe we're going to get $2 a bottle now, and the store is going to sell it for 6 or 7 or whatever. And then the suppliers would have, you know, parted the ocean to get more hand sanitizer into the stores. But when they see that, well, I mean, we already sold all of our all of our product, like we send them shipments every couple of weeks and uh, and they sold all of it and the price is the same. So like, why am I going to change my life around why would to you, supply it? You yeah, know? What, what drives the ramp up of production? Yeah. Again, we talked about this yesterday, or sorry, yesterday, Friday, and we talk about this all the time. The driver of an economy, the driver of supply and demand, the driver of human behavior is production. So what's going to drive up the suppliers to ramp up their production? Higher prices. It's the potential that people might pay more for it. Yeah. It's like if, 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 if I can double my profit, maybe I could double my production. Yeah. Then the supply doesn't run out. And now the problem is, doesn't matter how much money you got, you can't buy the hand sanitizer because it's not there. Or right. they're not allowing you to buy it because this guy has it. And even if you are more than willing to hand over 50 bucks for it, no, go spend 50 bucks on a freaking steak at Roost Crisp, but 50 bucks for a thing of hand sanitizer. Now that's illegal. So go go do that, okay? Go spend your 50 bucks elsewhere. We're going to make this illegal so you can't buy this from these guys. And now it doesn't matter how much money you have because in that argument, you could have said, well, it sounds like the consumption really drives the producers to go do something. The problem is the consumption doesn't right now because it doesn't matter how much money you give someone to buy hand sanitizer, they can't buy it because it's not there. You've got to incentivize the production. Because they've, so, they've now been shut down for profiteering. Yeah, you got to incentivize the production. That way the shelves will fill back up because the problem is these guys should have never been able to sell the hand sanitizer for 70 bucks if there would have been plenty of other hand sanitizer available everywhere else. And those shelves should have filled right back up. But no one was incentivized to rush their shipments 
back to those stores, to make special deliveries back to those stores, to fill them back up, to work overnights and have people working overtime in their factories to fulfill all those orders. No one was incentivized to ever do that. And that's the part that you miss. Guys, this is not that hard. We talk about this in other countries all the time. Conservatives, libertarians, we all love talking about why the store shelves are empty in Venezuela. Okay, and if the argument is that you shouldn't do this because we're in a crisis, I say it's the exact opposite freaking argument. This is exactly the time that you need to rely on supply and demand. This is the time that it most needs to exist. Because it doesn't help anyone that the store shelves are freaking empty with prices that you agree with below the empty shelves. It doesn't help anyone. It's like, good thing that toilet paper that doesn't exist on the shelf stayed $10. Now, good. This is more moral <laughs> that that price says that. I surely wish I could buy some toilet paper, but at least the price still says that. No, that's, that's not what you want. That's not what you want at all. In a crisis, you want people to step in and do a better job to open up unused factories, to put more workers in, to divert the resources, to fulfilling the orders for things that are in high demand. That's what you want them to do. And being able to raise prices, that's what that does. I get so, and I don't even know that the LP chair said something about it. Because oh, yeah. that it's, it's specifically against economics, except for the fact if they literally made it impossible and they created their own monopoly in that area and they were the only people to buy from then it is a potential for price gouging. But what should have happened were the store shelves should have filled back up and people should have gone to buy a $6, $7 a bottle hand sanitizer from the stores. But instead they sat empty because there was no incentive to fill them back up. And that's what actually needs to happen. And then the other side of it is if people are willing to pay 20, 30, 40 bucks for a bottle of hand sanitizer, then who is anyone to decide what is a fair price for a bottle of hand sanitizer? Prices are arbitrary. Prices are subjective all the time. Like I said, why is a steak 50 bucks at Ruth's Chris and you can get it for $10 somewhere else? You know why prices are completely arbitrary, dependent on the, the demand and the quality of the product and what someone wants to pay right then. They're completely arbitrary and people deciding they can come in and say what something is worth means nothing whatsoever. If you take a $3 bottle of hand sanitizer and we had no viruses. Imagine there were no viruses whatsoever. And everyone went back to the same disgusting living conditions where they went two, three weeks without washing their hands. And we went right back to that. And no one bought any hand sanitizer whatsoever. And all of a sudden, the prices on the hand sanitizer have to go down to 50 cents or a dollar a bottle. Something like that. Now, would you say, well, this is terrible for these suppliers because this is a, this bottle is worth $3 and people are only paying 50 cents or a dollar for it. Is that what you would say? Would it, you say the hand sanitizer bottle is worth $3? Yeah, no, no, it's no worth, one has a, it's worth what someone will pay for it. And, That's what things are worth. And no one has any problem when things get cheaper. No, they love it when they things, love it. They love supply and demand when it benefits them. That's what people love. Supply so and demand that benefits them. Here's what the chair of the Libertarian Party of Tennessee said. And I'm look, he's a friend of ours, and I like him a lot. He's a good guy. Who is this? Um, Josh, the chair of the Libertarian Party for okay. Tennessee. Okay. And it's not like I don't have any beef with him uh, specifically, but he is in a in a public position. And so I am I am arguing against his position here. He says, there's a difference between charging more for the stock you already have and buying up everyone else's stock with the intent to price gouge. 
One is using marking conditions to keep the shelf stocked. The other is being a total POS. Now, There's not a difference. There isn't because who the 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 store bought up all the supply that the supplier had, and they're right. selling it at the price they think they can sell it at. Who says that the store is the only person that should be able to buy a supply of something and sell it? Right. Why are they the person who has the right to do that? And say, oh, well, if you buy up all the supply and then try to sell it for a higher price, that's what the store did. That's, a, that's what they did. That's what Kroger did. This, I mean, when the LP chair can't think rationally, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do after that, honestly. Might as well turn the mics off, man. It's hard to sell economics to people who supposedly know it that don't. I don't know. And I don't know if people just don't understand this or if it's too emotional. It's just emotional. It, they, they understand I, I, it. I, I don't know what the actual answer is. What You know, what's the solution here? How how can we get people to understand that this is more that the, number one, this isn't free market capitalism. It's not capitalism. It's not capitalism's fault. This supply and demand predates any system you can think of. I mean, think about God, the tribes in Australia right now, who, if they got the coronavirus would surely die. It, like they don't have a capitalist healthcare system. Though, even, so they should be fine. Even they practice supply and demand in their tribe. Yeah. You know, like maybe it's a little bit more of a commune, but it doesn't matter. It's like, if people get hungry, then the hunters go out and hunt or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like supply and demand. If no one's hungry, the hunters aren't going to go out and hunt. The, the problem is just we've got numerous examples that people like Josh love to talk about where we didn't let supply and demand run the market. And people decided what the price should be for something, what it should be. Anytime you say should, then it's probably uh, wrong most of the time because should is not an actual argument for anything not logical anyway i'm sorry really it really shouldn't be <laughs> it just isn't like it doesn't matter what you think the price should be no one knows what the price for hand hand sanitizer should be it was three dollars a bottle now everyone in the freaking country wants hand sanitizer therefore hand sanitizers hand sanitizers worth 100 bucks a bottle right now if that's what people want to pay for it that's the difference like you don't get to decide what things should or shouldn't be and you should let the market determine it because good lord when this comes to food and stuff like that well that really starts the matter throughout history it really starts to matter when you have people starving because people couldn't charge market prices for things. And we love talking about that stuff all the time. Well, they couldn't charge market prices. The government was controlling the prices. Therefore, no one would produce enough food or they wouldn't be able to bring in any food from anywhere because they were, they were price fixing. And we have gas shortages in the 70s because the government was price fixing gas. And then we come to a situation where here's another chance. Here's a chance for things to go the right way, where you don't price fix things and you let the market work itself out and you still get scared and you decide that you're not gonna do it. And that's the problem. Like This is the time where you just grab yourself by the midsection and decide that you're gonna let the free market take care of this problem. This is the time. And even free market people are not okay with it. And that's the problem. That's why we never go towards a free market. For anything. I, think, I think one thing people really miss here is the the scarce resources part. So let me put it, let me like dumb it down for you in or, or put it in simpler terms. Let's say that there was a hurricane and everyone's out of power 
or there was a power surge or whatever. And there's only 10 generators, like only 10 generators exist. That's it. The people who make the generators, they're out of power. They can't make anymore. There's only 10. Now a thousand people want those 10 generators. So are you saying that it's better that no one gets the generators because the seller is now no longer allowed to sell it for the price that he wants to sell it? Or is it better because it's a scarce resource and a thousand people want it, that the price is raised high enough <coughs> to where the people who most need it get it? That's the problem. I read what? an article on Fee earlier. They were talking about generators. Exactly. And they said, well, maybe you raise the price on the generators and someone who needs a generator so they can play Xbox during the apocalypse, well, they don't go get a generator because they've made a, a priority decision in their life. And then someone who has to have one to live, well, they've still got the option to go get it. And so what you do is you set up a system where people whose highest priority is needing this item because they have to have it, that they're still able to go, to go get it. Like this price fixing thing, Fee put it really nicely is that it's first come first serve. That's all it is. The people come there, they grab it all up and then it's gone. And it doesn't matter if people who needed the generator to run their, their oxygen tanks in their house need a generator because some other guy who needed it to run their TV and their Xbox, well, he got the generator because it was still the same price. You raise the price on it to where maybe that guy decides he's not going to get one, the Xbox guy, but the person who still needs to stay alive, well, they can still get one. And I know that all sounds like, oh, you're taking advantage of people who need this stuff to live, but this is exactly the time that you need this. So people who have to have these things to live, look at all these countries we talk about all the time. People need food to live, by the way. And then we make a price-fixing system where not enough food is produced and people die. What are you going to do? Raise the prices on the food to where people who have to have food to live are still able to buy food? Well, you're a greedy capitalist. That's all you are. Just listen to how idiotic that argument sounds. It's completely ridiculous, yet that's the argument that everyone makes when it comes to this. It doesn't matter what your emotions are when it comes to this subject. This is a tough time that people are in. And a lot of people got the runs and they need their toilet paper or they need hand sanitizer or whatever it is. And the people who most need those things need to still be able to get them. And now we're in a market where people can't get those things. And you're telling me that that's better somehow. At least the prices weren't too high. And now it's better. And by the way, what I want to know is how are the people that are hoarding all the toilet paper who went around and grabbed up all of it for themselves so they can have enough toilet paper for six, eight, nine months. How are they any different from these two guys in Tennessee? They took toilet paper away from all the other people that needed it. You know, they took way more than what they needed. Are yeah. they any better? Are they any more moral than these people who bought up all the hand sanitizer and are still offering it to other people, by the way, if they deem it uh, important enough in their lives? How are they any better? I'm not saying either one of them are, are terrible because once again, for toilet paper, the, the market price should go up and people should only buy what they need because it's a priority decision that people have to make in their lives. Things don't have just some kind of arbitrary price on them. I remember this article I saw that said stores are charging $4 for a $1 case of water. You know, it's like <laughs> there, there's no such thing as a $1 case of water. 
The case of water was $1 because that's what people would pay for it. There are no $1 cases of water. There are no $3 bottles of hand sanitizer. That's what people would pay for it based on supply and demand. That's why they were the prices that they were. And this is the same thing still. That $1 case of water is now worth $10 to someone. Therefore, it's no longer a $1 case of water. It's a $10 case of water. Just like anything else that goes up or down in value every single day. You could do the math like on on, uh, your license plate. Yeah. You know, and say, because you pay what? In Tennessee, we pay $80 every year or something like that to register your license plate. Now, how much did it cost the state to actually make that license plate? You know? 10 cents, 50 cents. Yeah. Let's say it was $10. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Over the lifetime of you driving, how long you're going to have the registration? Let's say it's 40 years. Let's do 100 bucks to make it easier. 40 years. You're looking at $4,000. Is that right? And to keep paying for the license yeah. plate? Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at a $4,000 price tag for a t- it only costs the state $10 to make my license plate. Yeah. Why am I paying? That's price gouging. It is. And it's a, and the problem with that price gouging. You have no choice. Is that you're forced to do it. Yeah. But we love force. That's what, as long as you're forced to do it, then everything's fine. Now, yeah. if they raise that now, if they decide to raise your license plate registration, your registration fee to, let's say, like what Illinois did, you know, $150 a month. So now you're paying $50 a more. I'm sorry, a year. You're paying $50 more a year for the same cost of the license. That's price gouging. Yeah. The state is price gouging me. That that I'm paying $150 for that $100 a year license plate. Doesn't matter if the cost to produce a license plate went up or down. Yeah. They're just charging you. Right. The problem is they're actually price gouging you because you have literally no choice. You have no choice. You yeah. have to register your car. Yeah. It's against the law not to. Now that's price gouging. That's a monopoly. That's yes. that's what that is. That's an actual one. These guys in Tennessee that bought up all the hand sanitizer did not threaten to put people in prison if they did not buy their hand right. sanitizer. Okay. That, that did not happen. And they took a risk. They did. And look what happened. They took a big investment and they lost yeah, on it. And they lost. Yeah. Now, is anybody going to be there to help help them out? No. Now that they lost? No, but if you if the guy would have taken all that money to go to college, <laughs> then, <laughs> then yeah, we need to help him out for sure. Ugh. Now, uh, tell me about him uh, again with the 17,000 thing. I put that donation article in there. Do you want to do that one? Um, yes. So the man with <laughs> update on the story from yeah. earlier in the podcast <laughs> should be it should be the brothers with almost 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer just donated them. Uh, a Tennessee man who became a subject of a national scorn after stockpiling 17,700 bottles of hand sanitizer donated all the supplies on Sunday just as the Tennessee Attorney General's office began investigating. OK, so it says stockpiling. Let me that just made me think of weapons and stuff like that, like. Why are we not out of ammunition all the time? Because I know a lot of people that are stockpiling ammunition. Like a lot of people. Tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of rounds. Therefore, all the stores are completely out of rounds, right? They're, they're all gone? They should be. Or they just, the market fulfilled the orders and they filled the shelves back up, yeah. right? Like that, that's what happened? That's what happened? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Making sure. On Sunday morning, Matt Colvin, an Amazon seller outside Chattanooga, Tennessee, helped volunteers from a local church load two-thirds of his stockpile of hand sanitizer and antibacterial wipes into a box truck for church to distribute to people in need across Tennessee. Well, look at them. Uh, nice, nice people. How about that? He's, to, don't kill me. <laughs> I just gave all this stuff away. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving it to the church. Praise yeah. Jesus. We love the Lord. Now, now, like I said, I don't agree with the guy doing. I don't agree with the guy doing that 
on the basis that if he removed all of the available supply and then tried to raise all the prices on the market, I don't like that morally from like, I wouldn't do that. But the problem is it, well, but it's I, just people coming in to buy hand sanitizer and they should have still been paying whatever the market price is for saying. the freaking hand sanitizer. He's that's doing, it. He's doing the job that the stores didn't do. Yeah. That's what they were doing. They were filling a void in the market because regardless, the store shelves were going to be empty yeah. regardless. Now, instead of families coming in there and buying 10 bottles, because the price is higher, they may only buy two bottles. Which leaves more supply left over for other people who weren't going to get any. Yeah. If families went in there and bought them all up anyway. It's equality. It doesn't matter whether or not these guys were price gouging. The store shelves were going to be empty. Now, at least the fact that they are price gouging, it gives people an opportunity to still buy some. I don't understand how you miss that disconnect. I don't understand how anybody misses that disconnect. Like he, These guys were just filling a market void. I have zero problem with what they were doing. I think, I mean, you could call them POSs if you want to. I don't have any problem with it whatsoever. Yeah, I'm saying they're filling the market void. Morally, I wouldn't be able, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. And it's mainly just because of society and how society would, would view it. So like morally, I, w- I wouldn't be able to do it. But the guy said in the article that he felt like he was fulfilling a, a public need, doing a public service. Right. And he's mostly right about that. He really is. Like you said, I mean, we had 18,000 bottles. We might have had, we might have had, 500 families got to buy hand sanitizer and then it was gone. The store shelves, by the way, they're still empty. So the store shelves would have been empty still. 500 families would have gotten hand sanitizer. They would have bought up way more than they're ever going to use for the rest of their lives. And then it would all be gone. And then no one would be able to get any whatsoever. And instead, maybe 18,000 different people can get hand sanitizer now. And maybe they got to change their priorities and their lives around to be able to afford something that is very high in value now. Maybe that's what they'd have to do. The more we talk about it, the less angst I have against these guys whatsoever, actually. Talked myself out of it. At first, I was like, I don't know, like what they're doing. But now, the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, I don't know. I don't really have have an issue with it anymore. No problems. And in fact, when was hand sanitizer even invented? Probably a little bit ago. I don't know. But I'm saying, does anybody even have a right to, you know... One dollar hand sanitizer. No, I mean, like <laughs> we didn't have like hand sanitizer insurance or government provided hand sanitizer or anything like that. Like nobody it was had, just, nobody had a hand sanitizer in the 1800s. It was just a thing that people bought if they wanted it. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy, man. I don't know what I think else my to blood say about pressure's it. Going up I talking know. about this. I can, I can hear our blood pressure on the microphones right now. Yeah. So the guy ended up donating all the hand sanitizer, by the way, to a church who's going to be spreading it around to everyone. And then still everyone's going to be out of hand sanitizer after that. But at least we stopped this guy from making a profit. Um, but luckily we can still let the store shelves fill back up and then they can make a profit off of it. And, but we stopped this guy. We stopped this guy from doing it. What do you think the Amazon shut this guy down? What do you think Amazon spends on something like, uh, I don't know, like a fire stick, one of those USB sticks. What do you think that costs them? What do you think yeah, it costs them? They probably got it down to about five, 10 bucks, five, 10 bucks. Yeah. I don't even think it costs that much. Probably not. It's a USB drive with a software installed on it. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's all it is. You know, the thing, let's say it costs them $5. Well, it's going to cost you what? 30 or 40 to buy that thing yeah. from them. How was Amazon in any position to decide that some guy could not have a supply of something and sell it for a profit? 
I don't understand how they can do this. Everything that they have, they bought for pennies on the dollar, and then they sell it for a large profit. That's why they're Amazon. That's why they have all the money they have. In what world do they get to come in and decide that some other guy doesn't get to buy things for pennies on the dollar relative to what their value is in the market and then sell it for what people will pay for it? I think we're going to have to go through and review all of Amazon's prices and make sure they're not price gouging us on these $5 fire sticks, yeah. you know, because that's what one really costs. It's insane, man. It's completely insane. It is kind of crazy how they just all of a sudden decided. You can't make profit on this. Right. You can't flip it for a, for a four or 500% profit on this. That's our job. <laughs> we can't do, you can't do that. No, we'd rather it just say unavailable right now. That's better for everyone, isn't it? You know, I tried to order something from Amazon today and it, my delivery was unavailable. Oh man. They didn't tell me that at the beginning. I filled my sharp, sharp sharping, the sharping, your sharpening court, the yeah. shopping cart. I filled it up and I went to check out and it said, uh, no available delivery today or tomorrow, by the way. And it said limited delivery available on Wednesday. These are the end times. These, this is it right there. This is if it's I can't get my world. Amazon order, this is it. <laughs> it's just, it's just unbelievable. Speaking of solutions for things, Portland distillery turns their alcohol waste into free hand sanitizer, but there's a catch. You got to be one of their customers. Oh. All right. Listen to this. According to John Petit, the owner, this move is a no brainer during the process of distilling their own spirits. The first batch of alcohol that comes out isn't drinkable. Hmm. Until now, they've been using it as a cleaning agent to keep the place shiny and disinfected. I was, I mean, that's very economical. I mean, they're yeah. producing their own alcohol and they're, they've been making their own cleaner already. Late last week, a customer was sitting at the bar and asked Petit if she could, if she could have some of the cleaning alcohol to use as sanitizer. And it made him think. Petit then reached out to local authorities and looked at the legalities around giving out their waste alcohol to see if they would be allowed to do it from our great and virtuous government and learned that as long as they're not making any medical claims or selling it, they're free to give it away. As long as people aren't... Oh, my God. Let me read that paragraph again for everyone. <laughs> they checked to see if they could provide this to people. Petit reached out to local authorities and looked at the legalities around giving out their waste alcohol and learned that as long as they're not making any medical claims or selling it, they're free to give it away. So they determined that it was safe and that it was okay for everyone to have a sanitizer, but they don't want you to charge money for it. it Can't sell it or make any medical claims unless you're an, a medical doctor. Our first viral video, our first viral video of the podcast will be my head exploding live on camera. <laughs> Someone's going to grab that and put it around. So he's taken the 80% alcohol solution, which is well above the CDC's recommendation of a 60% minimum and added a word that starts with X, not xylophone gum to thicken it. Then added in a little water and tossed into a branded bottle. Now he's got his very own hand sanitizer that he can replicate easily and give away for free. Ultimately, as Petit put it, he's part of the local Portland community. He wants his friends and neighbors to be happy and healthy, and he's got the equipment and and excess undrink and excess undrinkable alcohol. Giving back ensures that he keeps his community healthy. The only caveat is that it's for his customers. Oh, imagine that. So you can't sell it, but you can only have it if you're a customer of the place. Right. <laughs> and this is the logic of government, by the way. And do you think this guy is not getting this press coverage so that his distillery gets put on yeah, blast? But he can't sell it. 
Yeah. Illegal to sell it. Can't because when I saw the story, I showed it I showed it to Lacey and she was like, Well, I can't I don't understand. I don't think they would allow him to do that. And I was like, Well, he probably can't charge money for it. And then it's okay. I was like, well, I'm surprised that the FDA would even allow it to to go out or, or whoever would have to look over those things. And come to find out, as long as it's free, it's fine. Yet you got to pay to be there so you can use it. So it's not free. And somehow this all makes sense. And we're just supposed to believe now, that the great rational government's going to run everything for, for us. And so he doesn't make any medical claims. Can he not? He, he probably can't call it hand sanitizer. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is the, he just uh, calling this cleaning alcohol? I'm not sure. So what you're saying is the legality of things is I could say um, this is a this is not a cancer uh, killing pill. Uh, yeah. No, no. This is just a. This is a cell fighting pill. No, not even. A, no, 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 I can't say that either. This is a cleansing pill for your body. Yes. I'm not making any medical claims. Only for people with yeah. cancer. Right. But <laughs> I can, I'm only yes. going to give it away for people with This is just ludicrous. Yeah. Sell it. Compete with the guys selling on Amazon. The bottles, <laughs> the bottles say hand cleaner on them. Yeah. They just say hand, hand cleaner. Hand cleaner. Yeah. That's all they are. Just hand cleaner, a little bit of hand cleaner. So no big deal. That's the thing. It's just a legality problem where they got to change a word and then everything's okay. Like it says cleaner on it. It's it's a hand cleaner and now it's okay. You can't charge for it, but you can only have it if you pay the guy money. <laughs> Someone tell me where that all makes sense and yeah. everything adds up. Someone tell me where this makes sense. It's fine nowadays. Good Lord, man. Well, we I, have a lot to talk about this week. I, I, I wanted to get to eventually. Well, I want to tell people while all this is going on, like, look, your heads are exploding just like ours are probably. While all this is going on, I want just want to make sure you pay attention to the headlines that don't get so much attention. Um, we're going to be talking about the Earn It Act coming up either tomorrow or Wednesday because they're looking at voting on this thing Wednesday, I believe, in the Senate. So. We've got to talk about that. That has to do with end-to-end encryption, and I do want to get to that. I need to do a little bit more research on it, though. But I want you guys to pay attention as all this hysteria is going on. Every single headline is about coronavirus. Every single thing you see is corona pandemic, the COVID-19. Everything is shut down. Stay in your homes. Get in your bunker, which, by the way, this is broadcasting just fine from our bunker. Yeah. We're not having any issues so far. Internet's been okay I, today. I joined a call earlier today for my for my other business in healthcare and um, they were asking how everybody was doing and I was like, "Can you guys hear me okay from from, from my bunker? bunker? <laughs> I'm getting just fine cell phone service. I got one of those boosters." They were still in the office. Those those yeah, they risk went, takers. They went to this crazy cuz we've been hunkered down just waiting for the the nukes to drop or something. <laughs> no idea what's going to happen. But anyway, you should pay attention to what's happening. Because the government's not going to stop working. No. No, no. no. They're going to introduce all kinds of stuff that no one's going to know about. We had the whole FISA thing. That, that Do you want to do the FISA real quick before we shut this well, thing down? Well, that's a part or, of the same thing. Yeah. Let's, let's, talk, let's give people a little cliffhanger. Okay. We'll talk about this tomorrow. And so I just want you to pay attention, though, because the whole FISA abuse, the Patriot Act, there's never been a better time to, to pass the Patriot Act right now. It's sitting on Trump's desk. He has said something about possibly vetoing it because of his because of his uh campaign was spied on and all that stuff but anyway but pay attention to what the government's doing there's never been a better time to pass to to steal your rights away <laughs> without anybody ever knowing it while all this hysteria is going on and i'm not i know i kind of alluded to it at the beginning but i'm not really a conspiracy theorist but 
you do have to pay attention to these types of things because this is how your rights are stripped away by government. Yes. During times of mass hysteria, we give up all of our freedoms, all of our liberties. We don't want any of it. We want the government to take care of us, shut everything down. I did see another interesting story. Did you see the Tootsie's owner down in downtown Nashville? So the city, the city mayor of Nashville put out a, uh, an order just that all non-essential restaurants and bars and everything have to close. And the owner of several bars and restaurants downtown said, yeah, we're not doing it. Nice. He basically said like, look, while I understand your, your, um, you're wanting to help the Nashville <laughs> citizens and, and make sure that the, you know, COVID outbreak and you want to keep people safe. I understand while you're, why you're trying to do this. However, your order is unconstitutional because you're targeting specific businesses and we haven't seen anything come down from the state. Yeah. So until <clears throat> governor Lee decides that statewide things need to shut down, we're going to stay open. Huh. So thanks, Mayor. Interesting. Thanks, yeah, Mayor, for your recommendation, but uh, no thanks. <laughs> it's it's a very interesting thing. Now, a lot of people are mad at him in Nashville, and I'm over here like cheering the guy on. I'm like, good. Good for you. I mean, if people want to go there, here's the thing. If you go somewhere in public, everybody go there with knowing that you may or may not contract some type of bacteria or virus from people that you are sharing public spaces with. I know that this is new and we've never had to deal with it before, but that is potentially this new situation that we're all having to deal with where if you go somewhere, you could get sick. Okay. So that, that is a potential problem. Let me play you a sneak peek of what we're going to talk about tomorrow from Thomas Massey killing it out there on the house floor. And, uh, yeah, we'll play what he's had to say, just ripping apart the process that they went through to get this bill through the house. And uh, uh, he did an amazing job, as he always does. So let me make sure it's going to play. The chairman of the committee pulled the bill, canceled the hearing, canceled the markup of this bill, and they took it behind closed doors. They took it into the back room to write it. They took it into the back room to draft it. Why did they go into the back room? Because the lobbyists aren't in the committee. The deep state doesn't get a vote on the committee. So they got them in the back room with them. The lobbyists in the deep state help draft this bill that we're gonna vote on today. And how much time do we have to review it? Less than 24 hours. Last night is when they made the text available. There's a rule in this house that guarantees 72 hours to review a bill. They're gonna suspend that rule here in a few minutes and people will willingly vote to suspend that rule so they can ram this bill through so that they can reauthorize the unconstitutional provisions of the Patriot Act. They do. It's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. So we'll, we'll play the full video tomorrow. I mean, you guys can look it up or you might have already seen it on Thomas Massey's Facebook page, but uh, we'll talk about everything he had to say and we'll go through this, uh, this new bill. What's going to be involved in that? What are they doing as far as end-to-end encryption goes? All of that. Something they've been fighting against for a long time. They've been wanting to end end-to-end encryption for a long time. So they might be they might have found a new way to make it an emotional talking point for them to be able to do it and uh we'll we'll see we'll see if they can do that maybe trump will veto it anyway because he was you could say uh the victim of the fisa court already because he was spied on and you would think if anyone the republicans would say hey how did they spy on the trump campaign how did they do that well 
Uh, it's because of the rules that we have set out in the Patriot Act and the FISA court that allow them to be able to do this. And so people can spy on other American citizens. And that is something they can do within that. How many uh, of those warrants do they approve? It's like 94, 96% of the warrants they approve. Just a rubber stamp. Code. It's, yeah, it it's, just, it's just a paperwork thing. He, this says we applied for the warrant. They sign it. They mm. say we can do it. And then we do it. It's not like a real warrant where you have to actually get a warrant to search someone's house. They just approve all of these and then say that it's okay. In and fact, it's un- latest and report, it's constitutional. the latest reports indicate all the judges that sit on the FISA panel are blind in death. <laughs> so they just sit there all day long and just stamp. Yeah. That's me stamping, by the way. <laughs> I was going to tell Approved. you guys, I was going to steal something. Uh, ben Shapiro always does something I like. I was going to do a something I like today. I was going to tell you, if you guys want to risk getting the coronavirus, you should check out going to the movie theater and seeing a new movie called, uh, what's it called? The Way the Way Back. I uh, just saw it yesterday, the new Ben Affleck movie. It's a basketball movie, but really it's about him being, uh, him being an alcoholic and being someone who played basketball in high school, really big high school star, didn't end up uh, fulfilling his career, his dreams of playing basketball, uh, becomes a really, really terrible alcoholic. I will tell you there is a there is a turning point in the middle of the movie that uh, I did not expect. And you know what it showed me was people are going through all sorts of things that you just don't really, you don't really know what's going on in people's personal lives. So you shouldn't make judgments on the decisions that they're making. Of course, unless they're making decisions that force you to do something, then you can make a judgment on it. But you shouldn't just uh, make a judgment on someone being an alcoholic or something like that, because you, you never really know what someone's going through. This was a great movie. Ben Affleck's Ben Affleck um, filmed this movie while he was in rehab for alcohol, and he wow. had a sober person, uh, sober um, uh, liaison, pick him up from rehab and take him to the filming where he was. Uh, I was watching some behind the scenes stuff where he was legitimately breaking down on set and bawling his eyes out about real stuff. And they were filming it and they had like the stuff in the, in the movie. That's amazing. And it was, I mean, very, very good movie. Some of the best acting you've ever seen from, because it wasn't acting from, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like it, it was, it was really good. Um, I've struggled with alcohol before. I haven't drank in going on something like 19 months or so, something like that. 19, 20 months. I haven't looked at the date in a while. Been almost um, two years now. It's been a while. It'd be two years uh, at the end of June that I haven't had any alcohol. So whatever, uh, whatever month mark that puts me at right now uh 21 something like that so we're around there i i can't do my i was never good at science i don't really know so <laughs> yeah it's a really good movie um very good as far as ben affleck goes because i've always regarded him as a pretty terrible actor overall but uh, he wasn't acting so that's that that's how i guess that's how it was was good so if you want to risk getting the coronavirus i do recommend uh going to see that movie it was it was really good i might just see it again for fun we'll see so that's something i like today guys check out our trading class we traded for a well, I, was, wa- I was gonna say before you tell him where to go that we didn't even get to Another thing we probably should talk about what happened this weekend with the Fed injecting more money into the market. We saw a massive market decline today. So the market basically said, yeah, we see everything you're doing, Fed, but nah. We basically have set $2.1 trillion on fire over the weekend (laughs) and uh, just more of the same. That's what I was saying earlier. Like we're falling back in 
to looking to the same solutions that we look for all the time, which is just more government spending, more fake money, more terrible monetary policy. Instead of letting this do what it's going to do. They're opening and, up the liquidity coffers now, yeah. by the way. Yeah? Yeah. What which, do you mean by that? Which hasn't happened since 2008. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. The last so time I checked, 2008 wasn't good. No. no. Yeah. 2008, 2009 wasn't good for the for the stock market or people in general. Yeah. It was the last uh, the last crash we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not good. This isn't shaping up to be good. Unless you were looking to buy a house in 2008 or 2009. Right. It was probably good. You probably price gouged someone recently when you sold that house. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Which, hey, I'm looking to buy a house pretty soon, possibly. There you go. So let, let it crash. I'm waiting for buy this whole thing to come down. You greedy SOB. <laughs> good Lord. You're going to scoop up a house off the market yep. and then try to sell it for a profit later. What a terrible person you are. Oh, man. I'm just trying to get the price of lumber down. What would be better is if we price fixed housing and you weren't able to buy a house because there were none available. That would be a lot. That would be a lot better. That would be the exact. Yeah. Yeah. So because I don't have toilet paper, I have no house to put it in. It all makes sense now. Yeah. Now it makes sense. You see the (laughs) early trends developing and that's what happens on down the line. Uh, Speaking of early trends (laughs) developing, check out our trading class. It's mastermytrades.com, mastermytrades.com. We do day trading every single day. We go live in the pre-market every day. Picked out some good trades today, traded for a little bit too long today. I was in a trade earlier, and I did not realize they were going to be doing a White House press briefing on the coronavirus. And the markets just start behaving very irrationally at that time. Yeah, we were and watching the chart, and it was like, up. Oh, it was crazy all over. And... You know, I don't normally trade on news. Uh, I will say hindsight, I should have just not traded around that crazy news. Then I got hopeful for a minute because Trump said the word vaccine and it just shot up and our position was just amazing. And I was like, yeah, vaccine. Talk about this freaking vaccine. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And I could have got out of the position up really good on it. And I was like, no, he's going to keep pumping this vaccine right now. No. Then this doctor comes up and starts talking about how none of us need to do anything ever and uh, stay home. And this is going to last until July or August. And then uh, the market just goes, see you later. We're getting out of here. Like we're we're getting out guys. It lost like three, five percent in a matter of, I mean, 20 minutes. It was even 20 minutes. Yeah, It was awful. It was like the last five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The last five minutes of, of the trading for the day, it lost I mean, all the way back down to where it opened, down 13% today. It was just unbelievable. Now, that being said, we didn't lose that because we had a proper stop loss set. So it's not as if our account just blew up or anything. I knew exactly how much money I was risking. And that's part of risk management is having the exact amount of shares you're supposed to have so you can manage your risk properly. So when that trade did go against me, because here's the thing, trades will go against you. And if you can't accept that fact, then you don't need to be caring about trading whatsoever anyway, because that's going to happen. And if you can't accept that fact then you're you're not going to do well at trading. So you have to accept that, first off. Second, we had a stop loss set. We had our risk managed properly to where we didn't lose any more money than we would lose on any other old normal losing trade if that happened. So that that was that was the good part. So if you want to learn proper risk management, how to read the charts, how to not trade when Donald Trump is talking, then you want to go to <laughs> mastermytrades.com. That is a lesson I learned today. And actually, I should have learned it on Friday because the same thing happened. They had that freaking press thing on Friday. That's true. And we were in a trade. And then today, they had the press thing and we were in a trade. And the markets behaved just completely irrationally when that was fool happening. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame you on can't, me. You can't get fooled again. And that's <laughs> that's what they say. Uh, just quoting old George 
George H.W. right there. No, George W. Sorry, George W. <laughs> Look it up. It's a good one. So go to Mastermind Trades if you want to learn how to read charts, how to manage your risk properly, and what strategies we used before Donald Trump started talking to be up handily on the day uh, where I should not have been trading coronavirus while Trump was talking about coronavirus. And that is a lesson learned today from mastermytrades.com. I'll be posting about that. And right now we're still offering that free seven day trial. So yeah. you don't, it doesn't cost you anything. And we're doing that to the end of the month. So uh, you have until the 31st to get in there. And yep. if you don't get in on that free trial, then you miss out and you shouldn't because it's free. Yeah. It's a free trial. And you could cancel the day you sign up, you could cancel that same day. And then after seven days, you lose your access. It's still important you, to note, by the way, after all this crap that's happened over the last several weeks with the stock market, our account is still up about 6% over the last three weeks. While the stock market's down 25, 30%. Yeah. yeah. So we're still up and we didn't yeah. lose over this whole time. So that that's just trading these strategies and trading with proper risk management and, and making as many good decisions as you can throughout the day. So even though I hated that loss today and it's Trump's fault, it's not mine. Even though I hated that <laughs> loss today, I got to remind myself that we are, we are still up and a lot of people are down. There's actually about a 35 cent, 35% spread on our account versus everyone's retirement account. So how many, that's good. Do you know how many people are talking about how much they've lost in their 401k? Oh, yeah stuff a lot i mean everybody i i hear it all the time it's like oh my god i lost tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in my 401k and i'm like oh man yeah not good i would not be able to just sit there and trust someone else to manage my money for yeah. me I, I would never be able to do that I, no i'm not I saying can't. you can't have a 401k but you yeah they talk about diversifying portfolios which is so terrible like it doesn't matter what you're diversified in like most of these funds are in you know, the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones and all of these indexes that, you know, gain on average a few percentage points and it's all safe and stuff like that. What you should really do is you can have a little bit in your 401k and keep it as like maybe your safe money, let's say, but then also you should be controlling yeah. your own wealth and making sure that you understand, even if you don't day trade yourself, you should understand what your financial planner is telling you. Don't just go to anybody. You have to be able to understand these things when they say, they come up with all these terms like, oh, we're going to diversify your portfolio and we're going to well, do this. Diversification and... doesn't matter when the entire market is it, down 30%. Like exactly. Diversified portfolio is doing nothing for you right now. It doesn't it's, matter it's what, all down. what company you're in. Yeah. Unless so, you were invested in us, then you'd be up. Right. That's that's what would happen. Up. I like when it's up. I like when it's up. So go to mastermytrades.com. Get a seven-day free trial. If you don't like it, then cancel the darn thing. It doesn't cost you any money unless you decide you want to keep it. So if you decide you want to keep it, Hey, it's good. It's the cheapest class you're going to find out there. I'm, a, I'm telling you, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. it. You're, yeah. You're so going to want some more of it. Do that. Mastermytrades.com. And if you guys enjoyed the show today, and um, again, welcome to all of our new listeners. And I say that because our numbers are just keep going. Our audience size now is the largest we've ever seen it. It's about, it? it's up about 20. Our audience size is up about 20 to 25% over the last week, 10 days. Yeah. About 10 Something days. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we appreciate you guys. And that all comes from you sharing the show. Uh, we appreciate you guys doing that, telling a friend about it. So please subscribe and share the show with a friend. And if you think it's worth it, which it is, leave us one of those ratings and reviews. And uh, we'll mention you on the podcast for that. So uh, appreciate all you guys do. We got so much more to talk about this week. So share the show with a friend. Tune in. If you guys do that, we'll be back again tomorrow to do this all over again. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>